Welcome to Precon Geeks, the podcast where precon folks geek out on all things pre-construction. Every week, we'll talk about trends impacting the construction industry and emerging tech. You can also tune in to hear exclusive interviews with industry experts. Excited to hear more? Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts now and visit www.beck-technology.com. All right, welcome to Precon Geeks, um, where we're going to be talking today about a very contentious topic. Um, this You could call this fight night at Precon Geeks. We are going to be talking about return to work policies and remote work policies. Um, obviously, this is a topic everyone has been dealing with over the past three years or so uh, since onset of COVID that basically forced everyone home and then everyone had different ideas of what it meant to work in the office, how work was going to change and whether it was going to change. It looks like a lot of companies now are going back to the back to the office environment and bringing everyone back in. So I wanted to talk about this and we brought in Mike Boren, CTO at Vec Technologies to discuss this with me. We, he has some really good thoughts. I've got some some thoughts on it and uh, we just wanted to see what would happen on it. So welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks, John. I appreciate you having me. And just just to be clear, we we are not in the same physical location, so we're not actually going to be fighting. We we are remote. Um, I just want to make it clear that we are obviously a little biased in that regard. That we are fully remote at Vectech. Um, we do. I mean, I go in the office some, but it is mostly a remote job. So take it with a grain of salt. Anything we say, yeah, your situation might be a little different. So we understand that. But so first, I wanted to go through the idea of people look at remote work as somehow being less of a job and and what are your thoughts on that mike is that it is you're at home you're not at, it's not real work because you're at home well maybe to start i uh, i will tell you i i have been that person i i have lived that life i uh, i thought i might share a story with you um uh, sure prior to covid i had one of my department heads come to me and say, hey, you know, my wife and I have been thinking about um, moving up north to Maine. And, you know, we it's, it's something we've always wanted to do. We wanted to get some land. You know, we're maybe 10, 15 years from now, we'd like to make the move. But I'd like to understand, you know, from your perspective, Mike, what would that mean for me? And, you know, keep in mind that this man as a friend of mine, you know, we've, you know, our, our been together for a long time. He's worked for me for, gosh, now over 18 years. So a lot of history with this person. And I, t I looked him in his eye and I told him I'd have to let him go. That There's no way that you could possibly lead a team or manage uh, remotely. It just It's not something that would work. You wouldn't be able to foster a strong culture. And, you know, we had the conversation about how he'd have to separate from the from the group. And then I told him I'd do anything I personally could to find him another job. And, you know, I'd, I'd do whatever I could to make sure he landed on his feet. But to follow, you know, his dreams and do what he thought was right for his family. And thinking back on that now, uh, you know, gosh, I, uh, I, I see the world so differently. It's one of the one of the positive things uh, that came out of our global pandemic when, when it kind of forced us to, you know, work from home. They say necessity is a mother of invention. Well, I definitely think um, it was a wake-up call for me on how to do things differently. Um, but I, I, I guess just to answer your question, I, I resonate with those people because I have been that person. 
Oh, I I did not know that story, and that's uh, that's really interesting. So so you were a staunch get your butt in my seat at the office and be there. I want to see you at the, at work all the time. Well, I felt like um, not necessarily that because I do have a pet peeve on people who measure productivity uh, by looking at the amount of time somebody's butt is in a seat. Uh, I, I have a massive soapbox that I will try not to get on for too long. Uh, but I do believe, I especially back then believed, that you had to spend time with people in person on a daily basis in order to lead, especially. Especially from okay. a leadership perspective, uh, you, you needed to have physical interaction with the troops, so to speak, on a daily basis. And if you couldn't do it on a daily basis, you couldn't do your job. And, okay. uh, you know, yeah, so... I want to make that clear because I think if you if you measure productivity by time and seat because somebody got there early or because somebody worked late um, and you've got somebody else who is kicking butt and taking names, but they can do the job in a fraction of the time um, and you're highlighting and praising the person who stays late but didn't didn't kick butt and take names, you're going to lose your best talent. So and you so got less, to how to measure productivity. So less presenteeism type mindset of I want to see you there because that shows me that you're working more, um, more being a good leader and steward of your people and showing a personal caring side of being a leader is what you were. That's that. That's the side you were coming from. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's the culture. It's the it's the necessity to build strong bonds that is fundamental for teams. You know, I come from the military and. When I got into the civilian world, I one of my biggest struggles, flat out, was that people didn't seem to know how to operate as a real team. You know, they they called themselves teams, but they didn't treat each other like teammates. They treated each other like adversaries. Uh, so you know, I always struggled with that, and I I feel like the in person bit for me was solidly around building strong cultures and strong teams. So you, you brought up a key word that I wanted to get to today. So I'm glad you glad you, you teed that up for me. Thanks, Mike. Uh, culture. Uh, so how do you think culture is most important? To me, culture is very difficult to maintain in a remote environment. It's just it's a lot more hard. It's a lot more difficult to maintain that uh, cohesive culture where everyone is pulling in the same direction. Everyone's feeling the same way. Um, what do you think is the difference between remote work and in-person office work uh, in terms of how maintaining that culture and keeping that culture uh, cohesive for your for your teams? Yeah, I think the major difference that people have to handle, I guess, for lack of a better words, is you have to be much more intentional. The uh, the the struggle that we that we had when you have to work remotely, at least that's for us, from my personal experience is I didn't have to be intentional about having a conversation with the, the person next to me. They just, it just happened. You know, there were so many kind of at the water cooler comments, you know, so many great ideas that just came about by, by virtue of walking by somebody and seeing something on a whiteboard and saying, hmm, oh, wow, you know what? If we did this, you know, and then just bam, kind of light bulb moments. And, you know, you have to, when, when we, went to work from home, we had to be so much more intentional about creating those times. And so the, the key piece, I think, is about making sure you think through the parts of the people interactions that are valuable and don't leave them behind. 
You know, it's not about putting your head down, do your work, let me know you're done. It's about all of the different times when you, you know, you meet to do the work, you th- you plan the work, you you have just conversations to build stronger relationships. I think there's all of these things. But I also think it's probably worth saying, I'm not a fan of only working from home always. I, I do believe that having in-person interaction is a valuable thing, and it's not something you can really replace. And I also think that there are times in specific scenarios when having in-person work togetherness is better than not. And for me, it's those creative sessions. It's those yeah. things where you're ideating and being, you know, just really trying to come up with, you know, new things, new ideas. You know, I think those times, it's so much easier to sit around a whiteboard. It's so much easier to sit around a campfire. It's so much easier to sit around the dinner table. I think than it is to try to jump on a call and share a Miro board. You know, there's you, there's something lost in the connection and there's something lost in the interaction. So while you can do it and we have successfully done it, I think it's better and the outcomes are better for those types of meetings if you do it in person. Okay, so it, it's not a true 100% remote, 100% in-person. It's, it's, you know, again, going to the hybrid type approach. So. When you talk about doing that hybrid approach, do you feel, I have some think, thoughts on this, I'll let, but I'm going to let you see first what you come up with. Um, do you feel the hybrid should be a mandate or do you think it needs to be just kind of organically grow into whatever it turns into? So well, do you, is it, does it need to be two days a week, you need to be in the office, you can work from home three days a week, but, or how, how do you think you should, we should handle that? Yeah, you know, I think um, you can't put blanket policy on things like this. I think you have to train your team members on when, you know, it's a better idea to work remotely or, you know, to come together in person. I, I feel like the blanket policy on you have to come into work X number of days a week, you're alienating at least half your workforce. You know, it's probably worth mentioning the other half is probably really excited about coming into work. Not everybody, yeah. not everybody wants to work from home and not everybody's job is better working from home. You know, there are there are certain types of individuals and certain roles that, frankly, get into the office is a better, more productive thing. I think so. You can't right. just put blanket policy down. I think you've got to understand that it's role specific and it's person specific. Um, so you have to you have to look for ways to sort of subdivide that to make sure that you're focusing on each of the roles and each of the teams to provide them what they need to be successful. And you should never neglect the happiness of the people who work for you. You've got to really understand they are human beings just like we are, and that if they hate their job or they're unhappy or if they think the policies are stupid, then it doesn't matter how much more productive your work environment is because they've already showed up at 25%. Yep, absolutely. I, I think the biggest thing for me, um, the biggest thing for me in any of these work from home, work in person, any of these policies is the fundamental underlying issue I feel is trust. Trust in your people. And to me, if you hire someone I'm by my nature of hiring them. I'm putting my trust and my faith in them that they're going to do a good job for me. And if I then tell them immediately, well, I trust that you're going to do a great job. 
but I don't trust you're going to do it on your own at home. I want you to be here where I can see you, and then we're going to make sure that you're doing the good job. I mean, you're, you're undercutting that entire trust relationship that you've got with your employees. So to me, everyone that works, I mean, we're, we're all adults. We all make our own decisions for whatever reasons we have. I come from a place of trust that I'm trusting they do, they're doing what they feel is in the best interest of, yes, themselves, but also the company that has hired them because they know that if, I mean, everyone gets found out eventually. If, if you're doing things that are undercutting the success of your company and undercutting the success of your business and not contributing to the success of your business, it's going to come out eventually and you know, we'll eventually find something and we'll, we'll part ways at some point. But if I give them that trust where they can show me that they're acting in the best interest of the company, acting in my best interest as well in some cases, and helping me and my team be more successful, then why not let, I mean, I'll let them work from Hawaii, you know, Taiwan, wherever they can work from, as long as they're supporting the company and supporting our goals in the way that they need to. Yeah, I think you you really brought up an interesting piece there, John. There's a I geek out all the time on human psychology and organizational psychology, and there are countless studies of companies who cut down on theft by trusting their employees more. And there is an interesting thing that happens in the human brain. If you show somebody you don't trust them, they will become untrustworthy. So if you if you don't want them to steal from you, don't like lord over them, you know, and, and say don't you know don't steal. I'm going to watch you constantly. I'm you know I don't trust you because then they're going to steal from you. And you know that yeah. that theft may be physical property. That theft may be time. That theft may be productivity. Um, but you are so correct that as a human nature to to behave that way is if you feel like you're not trusted, you will become untrustworthy. Yeah, it's kind of like when you give someone new a new job, a new task to do. Um, again, the same same kind of mentality, a little bit different. But I always give the person the more challenging task because I want them to rise up to that rather than try to give them the, the easy stuff. So if I get a junior estimator in when I work worked in estimating, I would okay, let's go. Here's a project go and you know they had a safety net so if they failed we could help them but the idea was to let them i wanted them to stretch as much as possible and to go out and and push themselves as much as possible so they would rise to that same to that higher level the same idea goes with the trust thing is mm -hmm. i'd rather give them free reign to yeah they could abuse my trust and that that can happen but if I set them up as like, I'm trusting that you're, I'm putting trustworthy, I think you're a trustworthy person. I'm expecting you to rise to that level. They're much more likely to do that. And then they're going to be more committed to me. They're going to stay with the company. They're going to be happier because they feel more fulfilled. And I think that's one of the things that we're missing in this entire idea is we're treating people like numbers and just pushing them because we don't trust them. Well, that's why you have people leaving their jobs. That's why you have dissatisfaction at work. All these other factors that come into it are are, are going to weigh people down in the long run. Well, I think I think you are spot on. I think we have to. We wouldn't be doing a good job here if we didn't acknowledge the other side of this equation. 
which is if you are a leader or a manager out there listening to this, you're probably saying, well, that's all great that you can trust somebody uh, and you can extend trust. But when they fail and it costs our company to go out of business or we lose the job, that's not a failure that I can that I can hold. You know, like it's yeah. people are expensive. They're precious commodities. And I can't just I can't bank my organization on, you know, hope and a prayer. Uh, so I think we should probably talk about how do you enable trust and how do you show trust while still providing the ability to know that your team is doing a good job. And I think the way that you have to do that, so the, the, the tips and tricks here are when you, when you put a system in place to measure productivity, you're not putting it in place for the sake of knowing whether or not somebody is slacking off. You're putting it in place to be able to provide feedback and to look for opportunities to do better. There's also a lot of, you know, value in just knowing how, like where you're at in the process and, you know, helping yeah. them forecast, you know, when things are going to be done and how long things take. Uh, so I think you have to measure. I think it's a key piece of any role. And uh, from my experience, Everybody who is any good at what they do wants to be measured. Your star performers, man, they want it. They measure me. Like, put my score up on the scoreboard. You know, it's the ones that don't perform that usually say, hey, don't, I don't want to be measured. So things that I've found successful uh, are concepts called the value chain, where you look at each of the activities that go into a process and you measure those activities. And, you, okay. when you, and then things that I've also found are measuring the team instead of the individual and then putting team scores up. You know, it's, it's really about them working together and about them becoming better as a team. And it's not about highlighting whether or not, you know, Bob or Jill or whoever didn't do a good job. You know, the team knows. The team knows who's, who's really pulling their weight and who's not pulling their weight. Measure the team. Um, and then I think you know, put some real process in place around staying focused on the goal you know you know and you know this john in our teams one of the things that we do is we we have uh, daily standings where our team members mm -hmm. will come together and say hey this is what i said i was going to get done yesterday here's what i actually got done and here's what i'm going to try to do today and you know they just they make they put those intentions out there and the the idea is the team can both be have line of sight into what's going on uh, on the team but also look for ability to help. And there's also peer accountability. And to me, peer accountability is far stronger than, you know, having your boss hold you accountable to anything. You know, having your peer ask you, hey, you know, John, did you, you said you were going to do this yesterday. Did you get that done? Um, nothing more powerful than have look your peer in the eye and say, no, I didn't get it done. Uh, you know, I, I, I know I said I was going to do that. I know the team was counting on me to get there and I didn't get it done. You know, if you're if you're a halfway decent person, that'll probably be the last time you have to say that sentence to, to somebody, you know. And then we, we do even things where we'll, we'll stretch that out. So there's daily standings and we do a very similar concept we call check-ins. So mm -hmm. we'll say, hey, this week, here's the big things I want to try to get accomplished. And we'll, we'll state that at the beginning of the week. And then at the end of the week, you know, we've got to go through and check those off. And our managers review those to make sure that we're staying focused. And it's not about, you know lack of trust it's about making sure that you're staying focused because oftentimes we just get distracted on all the fires that come up and you know as a leader and a manager your role is to 
uh, remove those roadblocks and, and to not allow those fires to affect the team. And so, you know, we train our managers to say, when you go through and you review these check-ins, your goal is to figure out how you can lead better by removing anything that they ended up getting distracted on because they had to, they had to put out a fire before they were able to focus on something. And I think this, it's really about mindset and measurement. But I, I would suggest, you know, you, you can't just trust. You have to, yep. you have to measure, but measure with the right intent. Oh, absolutely. I, I wasn't saying that I just like, hey, have carp lunch and I'll see you in a week. It was more, um, again, it's more about a feeling and giving them like, my big thing is I don't want them to have to ask of like, hey, I've got a doctor's appointment. Can I go take care of it? Like to me, if you got to go do something during the day, yeah, you go take care of it. Because again, I'm trusting that you will make up for it in the long run. I think that's that's more what I was trying to get at. So if I didn't make that clear, I'll uh, reiterate that point a little bit differently. But so the last thing I want to make sure we talk about before we, we close up for the day we're, we're talking specifically to pre-con and construction people, right? The biggest roadblock I've seen to remote work in the pre-con environment is you can't build a building remote. Totally true. Totally get that. Like you have to have boots on the ground. You got to have people on a job site. You got to be physically building the components to make it happen. How do you reconcile the, the, the mindset or the mentality of, well, if my field staff has to be on site, then my pre-con staff has to be in the office. But what's your feedback on that? I think it goes back to that carte blanche policy. I think you've really got to look at each role specifically. And, you know, the, you know there, there might be a sense of unfairness, but I'll tell you, I started out in the field. And frankly, the unfairness is there. I mean, I, I, in Texas, when you work out in the field, it is 6 million degrees outside. And when it's not, you get two weeks of freezing cold, yeah. you know? And so like, it sucks. You're getting sunburnt, you're dirty. I mean, I spent years doing field engineering and, you know, I started out as a rodman. And I mean, when you're blue topping a road, I mean, it's not, you're going to look at the superintendent who's still in the field, but at least he gets a job truck and think, man, that must be nice. And you're going to look at the office guys and they get to they just live in the office right so like there's always a little bit of that sense of unfairness that has always existed out there i don't know if you'll ever truly get away from it but what i would say is if you're a good leader you have the ability to speak to your team and say and, and tell them this is the meaningfulness of your job and this particular role requires that you do that now, I understand that it's hot and I will do everything I can to look out for you and to not put you in situations that I don't feel are necessary. And yeah, those guys over there, um, you know, they, they get to sit in the air conditioning. Now, what they have to do is they got to sit in one place, right? Like it's not all, it's not all great. The estimators are stuck there in front of their computer. You know, they're not out, able to go outside. You know, they don't have the same luxuries that you do. And so there are pros and cons to every role. And I think you have to, you know, embrace the suck on parts of the roles you don't like, but kind of also appreciate the parts that are a lot better because not everything is the perfect job. I will say it's the, the best way to, to kind of reinforce that point is uh, when you're doing pre-con and sometimes you're bidding the big jobs, you'll bring a superintendent in and you got to talk through the logistics of it or whatever, you're planning the job out. I can, just about every superintendent I had come in, their first step, their first words were, 
I can't wait to get back out on the field. So, I mean, obviously it's, you know, they, they like their jobs. They enjoy what they're doing. Like you said, there's pros and cons to both. Um, you know, that is not, I, I loved being, uh, I was out in the field originally to start with as well as I started as a soup, moved into pre-con and fell in love with that side of things just because I got to change and move to different projects and I'm always solving something new. Whereas a superintendent, you might be on a job two or three years. Like some people, that's what they want. They want that sense of closure. They want that, like, I'm always out there solving real world problems, working with my hands. Okay, that's great. Then some people want to be able to go in and, you know, draw pretty pictures on the, on their computer. That's, you know, that's also a skill that you need to, we need to have all of them. So I think that's, I can't, I totally agree with you on the, some jobs are just different and you just got to embrace that difference. You can't, you can't yeah. compare the two. Yeah, I don't think you can. Cause I will tell you, I, there are definitely times when I miss being out in the field. I really do miss it. I mean, I, as hot and as dirty as it was, like there's just something to working with your hands, you know, yep. and, and physically building something, driving by a building that you helped build and, and pointing to that building with your kids in the car and saying, I did that. Like there's something to that, that you, like it, and I don't mean this to sound bad to anybody out in pre-con. It's just for me, when I was in pre-con, I did not have the same sense of accomplishment when I estimated a building for that building as I did when I built the building. I had to find a different meaning. Now, I yeah. clearly have found a different meaning with pre-construction because I do believe that the pre-construction team members have the biggest impact on the built environment of any other human, period. So like, just so I'm clear, I do think that they have a lot of meaning, but it's a different meaning. It's a different value. And I think you can't just to kind of to go back to your original question, you can't put blanket policy on yeah. things like that and expect your team to be productive and happy. You just can't do it. You've got to care about those two things on a pretty equal measure is how well are we doing as a team and how happy are we doing? And they're very linked. Yeah, I I'm, couldn't agree more. I, I'm very passionate about this particular topic but uh, i think this is uh we kind of closed it off on the perfect spot keep your teams happy and they're going to be much more productive and that's that's just how life works so well thanks for coming out today mike it's been a pleasure speaking with you as always so and uh, again if anyone has any feedback or topics or thoughts or wants to be on the podcast you can email us at precongeek at beck-technology.com uh, we'll, we check that every day and any ideas come in, we'll make sure to get it on there and tell us we're doing great. Tell us we're doing bad. Love to get the feedback either way. So, but, uh, thanks a lot for coming out, Mike. We will, uh, wrap it up for today and everyone have a good one. Appreciate you having me. Take care, everybody.